fuck did we just watch? It's the Disenfranchised Podcast, where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy, joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Oh, hi, Stephen. How's it going? Oh, hi. I didn't see you come in there. Uh, I'm doing well, man. How are you? Uh, I'm good. It's It's been a day, but, you know, it's... This is fun. So it it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a nice diversion, if nothing else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I mean, look, we would love to have had Brett right here. We'd love to tell you that he's here. Unfortunately, uh, he is uh climbing out of the pool uh following a disaster at his My Super Sweet 16 party uh and is not able to make it. So we wish him the very best of luck and uh hopefully we'll see him back here very soon. But uh but yeah. Uh Tucker, boy, do we have a do- boy, do we have a doozy today? Um, look, there, there's a, a basically not in in years has there been such a one two punch hitting theaters this weekend as Barbie and Oppenheimer, a movie about dolls and a movie about bombs. So we figured, hey, what should we do to capitalize this? I don't know. Maybe let's talk about a movie about dolls that bombed. Um, so that's what we're doing. Tucker, what are we talking about today? Deservedly so, it bombed. We're talking about uh, Bratz, the live-action Bratz from 2007. 2007's Bratz starring uh, Natalia Ramos, Skylar Shea, Janelle oh, Parrish. Yep, oh. it, exactly. Um, God, this movie. Uh, Logan Browning, uh, Chelsea Kane Staub, uh, Annalise Vanderpoel, uh, Malise Zhao, uh, and John Voight. John motherfucking Voight in the this Midnight Cowboy himself. The Midnight Cowboy dad, himself. Yes. John Voight. John motherfucking Voight. Hollywood what, royalty, John Voight. What a cast. In this movie. <laughs> what a picture. He's got a fake-ass nose in this movie, and I texted you while I was watching it saying, is he wearing a fake nose in this movie because he's ashamed to be in it? To which you said. I said he doesn't know what shame is. Look, John Voight, this, uh, Sean McNamara, the guy who directed this movie and John Voight must be best friends because every shitty like kids movie that this dude makes, John Voight's in half of them. He's in so, two Baby Geniuses sequels, direct-to-video sequels that yeah. this man directed. He's also in the TV show that this man directed some of. So, like, he's apparently a staple of the Baby Geniuses franchise. Here's a thing that I know about John Voight. John Voight, in very recent years, um, has become increasingly more conservative uh, in his pol- in his politics. And as a result, I think that that's kind of, you know, like it does with guys like Dean Cain and Kevin Sorbo, uh, kind of like fucks with them and their ability to like get movies like he plays Justice Warren Berger in a movie called Roe v. Wade uh, that came out in 2019. Uh, but Sean McNamara, among other films, this guy has directed a ton of Disney Channel original films uh disney channel uh tracks completely tracks uh he's disney channel television shows even stevens Um, yeah yeah he did the even stevens movie 
He did the Sweet Life movie. Um, I, I don't know how many of those things we're actually going to cover on this podcast because I don't want to. Um, but uh, he also directed a movie called Soul Surfer. Are you familiar with Soul Surfer? I'm not. Soul Sur- so Sean McNamara, the director of this film, uh, and and look, if you watch this movie, it should not surprise you this guy directed Disney Channel original shit because holy crap, is there a lot of it. Soul Surfer comes out in 2011. And it is about a, a teenage surfer played in the film by Anna Sophia Robb, who I think is a phenomenal actress, um, who loses an arm um, during a shark attack. She's a surfer, loses an arm in a shark attack. And through the power of Jesus, becomes surf, a surfer again. Uh, and it also stars Kevin Sorbo oh, and Carrie Underwood, Helen Hunt, boy, Dennis and Quaid, is Dennis it? Quaid are in this movie as well. But this is definitely one of those movies that I kind of bristle against what I call the what, what are called the faithful films. Um, I find them often terrible. Uh, and of course, as someone who has worked in the church for a number of years, these films are prevalent. And um, but so I think Sean McNamara is a part of this group. And so I think he is probably a very conservative filmmaker in his own right. And so casts other conservative actors like Kevin Sorbo and John Voight, which I think is why you see a lot of John Voight in Sean McNamara movies, because he's probably the only Oscar winner Sean McNamara is allowed to talk to. There you go. I think, you know, um, it's weird that he would he would be religious with how racist and kind of disgusting this movie can be at times. Well, here's the thing. Um, conservatives are Oh, generally... that's right. Conservatives, not Christians. There's a difference. I but forgot. Not much, because a lot of <laughs> a lot of conservatives call themselves Christians. Christians. Yeah. Right. And that's the distinction is um, most people who are conservative who call themselves Christians really aren't because they haven't really read the Bible. Um, pretty obviously. They pretty obviously. I mean, look, you, you can't read the Bible and take it seriously and elect Donald Trump as president. You just can't do it. It's not possible. So um, I don't know. I'll probably get a shit ton of angry comments and downvotes on Apple podcasts, but look, it's true. So do with that I, what I you will. Do without what you will, but yeah, that's we where We disenfranchise, stand. stand behind what Steven has just said. Uh, Brett hates it when I get political, which is probably why it's a good thing that he's still washing off after that pool, pool accident. But that so. doesn't mean he doesn't agree. True. Uh, so should we just should we just go ahead and try to do the plot in 60 seconds on this? We might oh, no, well. we have to... Okay, we don't. Neither of us have a history with any of this, so yeah, we might as well. I mean, I've I've seen the dolls. I know no, what they is, are. Yes, that's it. Like I know have, what the dolls they, are. That's all. They, their heads are like the size of their entire body. The eyes are like half the head, like very much anime inspired kind of shit. Like yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, let's let's just let's just rip the bandaid off. Let's just do the fucking plot in sixteen. Uh, let me let me find the Canadian quarter of indifference here. I've gained a lot of quarters since the last time we've done a two-man show. Mm, lucky you. Well, let so, me while you do that, let me talk about what the plot in 60 is. 
it is the part of the show where we recount the plot of the film in 60 seconds or less. You would probably know that unless you're tuning in for the first time to hear what we have to say about Bratz, which, God, why? But welcome. There it is. Well, you'd be um, surprised how many people are defending this piece of shit on Letterboxd. I don't understand it. Like, I don't. Get a life. Jeez. I, I really don't. Like, this movie is, I, look, this movie's not good. If you like no. it, that's fine. You're allowed to like a thing. But and the I, parts. Please Sorry, explain to me why this is good, because it's not. And the parts that are good are only made worse by how shitty the rest of this movie is. Because there are, the, it's like, here's how I see it. When I was watching it, it seemed like you probably had 10 people writing this script, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them was kind of clever. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you see something that's like, oh, that could have been kind of cool. That could have been a really clever thing, but it's in this movie, so it fucking blows. And this movie is, look, I, I said it to you before we started recording. I'll go ahead and say it now. This movie is Mean Girls for seven-year-olds. Like, yep. if, if we wanted to try to remake Mean Girls as a movie that, like, kids who liked high school musical could enjoy brats is the movie that comes out of that attempt movie steven a movie this isn't a movie this is four episodes of a tv show come on man it really does Did you feel see like that. how that works like every about every 20 minutes we move on to a new episode we mm-hmm. do a two-year time jump with things are concluded and new things are brought forth there's an overarching story. There's no way this was originally written as one movie. It had to have been, at least been written as four episodes of a television series. Which I don't think is actually true, but like, God, it definitely feels it. that way. I don't believe it. I refuse to believe it. Uh, Paula Abdul was supposed to be in this movie. Good for her not doing that. Yeah, she was originally supposed to uh, provide wardrobe designs, choreograph, executive produce, and have a role. Um but then um, she had to drop out because of American Idol. Because her cartoon cat husband was sick. Mm, oh, DJ Scat Cat. Why yeah. Why isn't that guy getting more work? That's what I, I would watch a show about that guy. 100%. Because opposites attract. I Two steps forward, two steps back. Two steps back. We yeah, come together because opposites. It's attracting you know. It ain't fiction, just a natural fact. Anyway, uh, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, Paul Abdul's the shit. Yeah. Uh, Jada Jackson is the shit. Straight up. Now tell me, do you really want to love me forever? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Steven, oh, oh, oh. oh. But yeah, no, this movie, oh, God, it. It bad. It real, real bad. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it, Tucker. But we are going to talk about it because there's a Barbie movie and uh, and an Oppenheimer movie. And this is a dull movie that bombed. So, Tucker, why don't you go ahead and give that coin a flip so as I can call it? Okay, for newcomers, uh, the queen is heads and the moose is tails. Steven's going to call it in the air. Uh, and here I go. I'm flicking it right MF and now. I'm going to call Tails. It is heads. Motherfucker. All right. Womp, womp. You womp. go ahead and put 60 seconds on the clock, and I, yes, I. That's you. Count the plot of the Bratz film. Bratz with a guy. Z. 
in case you uh, in case you you did not read the episode title. I'm ready when you are, Stephen. When you start, I will start the 60 second timer. And make sure you give me the 30 and 10 second warning. You know I'm gonna. You know I'm gonna. Uh, just for the people at home. This is not my first day, Stephen. I I know. I'm just letting the people at home know that to, what to expect. All right. Bratz is a movie about four teenage girls who are like best friends, but all have different interests. And so those different interests land them in different clubs. Uh, They're vaguely ethnic. Uh, Also, there's a black girl who's a cheerleader. Uh, There's an Asian girl who's like, who loves the sciences, but also has a quote passion for fashion. Uh, There's a, a blonde girl who likes soccer. And then another blonde girl who's supposed to be Hispanic who also who loves to sing and so because of that they all get like shuffled into different cliques oh 30 seconds and then they eventually like break up the cliques and end up forming together but there's one girl who's like really into the cliques uh and then they all compete in a talent show together uh and the the prize for a talent show is a is a scholarship to college um and so any college they they win they get the scholarship And they give it to the poor girl who gets to go to college. And then the guy from MTV Records shows up, played by the director of this fucking movie. And he gives them a, a Your time is deal. up. Yeah. Uh, you, you forgot about episode three, The Party. I mean, okay. <laughs> you know, episode three of yeah. the show. Yeah. The Party. The Party. Yeah. Where, where she a rides in on- A self-contained story, yes. She Just rides like in on an elephant, are. gets chucked into a pool- yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck this movie is. Like, I don't. I have no idea. There's, if, if you had told me when this movie started that it was going to end where it ended, and you told me that it was going to make sense how it got there, mm-hmm. first of all, you're wrong. It didn't make sense. It made but, no sense. But the beginning of this movie and the end of this movie are so far from each other. Mm-hmm. Thematic-wise... Tone wise, everything. Mm-hmm. It's Correct. all so different. Like how? That now they're that they're just like pop stars now? Sure. Okay. I guess that's right. what we're doing now. Okay. 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 No indication that they any of them even wanted to do that until the last like <laughs> half hour of the film. And here's the thing. There is this movie. None of the characters really are dynamic in any way. They pretty much start friends and they pretty much end friends. And there are some disagreements and some confusion. Except for episode two, where they don't talk to each other for two years. Is it two years or is it like two months? It's two years. The girl says two years, which doesn't make sense because so they come in as freshmen, right? Two years later, they would be juniors, which tracks but the girl that was signing up the freshman, the bad guy of the movie, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, what was she a sophomore then? Cause she would have to be oh. or else she flunked like twice because I just assumed she was a senior. Her dad's the principal. The and so she gets away with fucking everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't understand the timeline there, but the, the, the gal, one of the, one of the girls, I don't know. One of those girls, uh, says specifically says two years, two years. Two years. I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, I don't know what this is. I That's a time jump in the first act. That's still the first act, technically, yeah, Steven. It is. No, it is. Jump. It is. 100%. Like, I don't 
understand what this like this the way that this movie it and it is it is made for children it is clearly look tucker i think it is very safe to say that you and i are not the target audience no. for this movie i would i would not wager to say that most of our regular listeners are probably not the target audience for this movie no that would be i think a fairly safe bet yes. all things considered um this is not made for you and i uh, however, I can see there being a group of people who grew up with this movie who, who does have a special nostalgic place in their heart. And if that is the case, I'm glad. I really am. I'm glad that you get enjoyment out of this movie. I can't, but I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I'm glad someone does, and I'm glad it's you. Um, but yeah, I was watching this movie, and I I could not make heads or tails of what was going on. Um, I watched it after my partner went to sleep, and I was just so. And she she actually woke up like during the last half hour, and we watched the last half hour together. And we couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. And I was, but here's the thing. She was able to jump right in and not have any problem because again, this movie is so piecemeal. It's not, there is not a cohesive narrative across this entire story. It's just like, Oh, Hey, friends are cool. That's pretty it's much just, the, what this movie is trying to say. It's just montage after montage after montage after montage and you know what Speaking they follow montages, a montage with two other montages something there are that like three back-to-back montages in this movie something that frequently happens and only during the uh montages i don't know if you noticed this or not Stephen, but there was some very shoddy sound editing to the point to where there was a character um so when homegirl's getting ready for her sweet 16 there's mm-hmm. a character that's showing her the dresses his mouth is moving every mm-hmm. time the camera is on him and he's not saying anything. Nope. There's music, but mm-hmm. she's responding to him vocally. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and there are other instances where the camera is on someone and they say something, but nothing comes out of their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a good movie. It's, it's like Pootie Tang gone bad. I, I don't know what this movie is, but it, it, it feels like $20 million, $20 million, Stephen. It didn't make on this it, movie. It barely made half that. It Good. barely made half. Fuck this um, movie. Fuck it. And stupid ass. It, it, this, so, so, so this movie, I, God, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start with this thing. Like it is, it's, it's a, it's a mess. It's a horrible disjointed mess. It's like, so. Let me let me actually do some let me do some reverse engineering here. So the Bratz toy line comes out in 2001. So this movie comes out 6 that years tracks. after that. Uh and there are a ton of different um Bratz dolls. The the original 4 are the 4 portrayed in this movie, but there have since been so many more. There is an entire Wikipedia page just called um, like characters in the Bratz toy line because there are animated movies too. They have animated movies. There's Bratz kids, Bratz boys, Bratz babies, and Bratzillas. Um, Oh, babies with slutty makeup. That's great. They have, they have soundtrack albums, compilation albums, there's a, a TV show, a web series, uh, video games. Like I kind of wish Brett were on this episode so he could talk to us about the uh, about the uh, the video games for this one. Um, so we could head to the video game corner. 
but like this, this is just, this was a huge franchise in the early two thousands. They were discontinued in 2016. And then I think a new line came out in 2018 with uh replicas came out and coming out in 2021 for the 20th anniversary. Um, there's, there is a Wikipedia page called list of brats characters. Um, so, and they, they borrowed nothing from those original characters in this movie. Like this movie has nothing. This was something that somebody made or some, this was a mini series or a pilot with a couple episodes that somebody wrote and then they were shopping it around Mm -hmm. and whoever owned brats was like, you know what? Let's slap brats on this bitch. That is a hundred percent what this feels like. It feels like a movie where we've already, we're already trying to do one thing. Like maybe this is a Disney channel original movie and like, Disney Channel doesn't want it for some reason. And so, I don't know, let's make it a Bratz tie-in movie. Bratz, those dolls are really popular right now. And let's let's go ahead and look at those. So I feel like the last episode was all about tying it into Bratz, honestly. I don't know if that's originally where this show was going. And I will keep referring to it as a show, Stephen. So I'm doing that consciously. Uh, no need to correct me. It's just okay. my opinion. But the, I, I also don't think it's a mistake that this movie comes out the year after High School Musical debuts on the Disney Channel. Oh, yeah, not at all. Agreed. Like that is absolutely not a coincidence because this movie I think owes a lot to High School Musical. Like the, that's the another main... thing. It's all in the last half. There's no songs in the first half, man. They shoehorn that shit in. It's like as things are happening, they're like, oh, let's put that in our movie. But let's the, rip that off in our movie. But the soundtrack is working over time. Like with all the montages and like, it, I feel like there are constantly like songs just dropped in here. Like there are multiple songs by. That I've never heard of and never heard since. Like Correct. Well, and as I was watching this on, um, on Freevee, cause it is streaming for free right now on Freevee. Um, it would actually show the name of the song and then the performer that is performing it. Uh, and there are multiple songs on the soundtrack by an artist called Prima J, yep, who I yep, do yep. not know at all. And I, this is the first time I'd ever heard of Prima J. And there are multiple songs by this artist on here. But you've also I, got songs by. I didn't by... do the. I didn't do the X-ray feature, but I notoriously do watch the credits of every movie. So mm-hmm. that's how I. Every other song was that artist. When I, did I was that. watching the credits. I did both. Um, you've got songs here from. The Black Eyed Peas, um, Prima J, The Honor Roll, Lifehouse, Ashley Simpsons, multiple songs by an artist called Lauren Evans, who I've never heard of. Um, and then, of course, at the very end of the credits, there is a God, so many Prima J. There's like four Prima J songs on the soundtrack. Um, five. God, every I just I scroll like just a little further down and there's another Prima J song at the very end. Of course, there is a, an entire music video for a song by star of this film, Janelle Parrish, who I've never heard of, but uh, was apparently on uh, pretty little liars. Um, like she's, she's apparently somewhat popular amongst certain kids of a certain age, I guess. Uh, I've never heard of her. I've never seen anything, but apparently she's like one of those uh, performers who does a lot of uh, a lot of her own music. She was on four episodes of the show Heroes that I watched. 
Um, yeah. She's, um, I would just like to note that she is not the girl that's interested in singing in this movie. No. Which would have made Whose sense. Whose voice changes from song to song, by the way. Mm-hmm. You, you notice that too. Me, brats. Huh? You can't fool me, brats. I was, I was born in the dark, but it was not motherfucking yesterday. Okay. Mm. Every time that girl sings, it's a different voice. Uh, and here's the thing. Here, here, so something very interesting. So there are four main main girls: Natalia Ramos, Logan Browning, Janelle Parrish, and Skylar Shea. Uh, the song "Bratitude," which is the song that the brats sing at the end of the episode, the three. So the the girl that's into singing is played by Natalia Ramos, uh, who is of Spanish descent, uh, not Mexican, which is not the same as Mexican. It is. Not. Let's make that very clear. Very clear. She also calls her grandma Bubby as opposed to Abuelita or Abuela, um, which is what you would imagine in a Hispanic family. Uh, Bubby is actually played by Lainey Kazan, who you probably know best from the My Big Fat Greek Wedding franchise. I don't um, know her from shit because I don't watch those dumb movies either. She plays the mom in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and she is also in the Adam Sandler film You Don't Mess With the Zohan, which is actually really good i haven't seen it it it's good you don't mess with the zohan is actually better than any other adam sandler movie i can remember i have a tremendous amount of respect for adam sandler but i i also modern adam sandler stuff i have trouble getting into if i'm being honest i get mountains of respect for the man He's sure. wonderful. Like, and I, I'm great. a big fan of his dramatic work. I love him in Agreed. Punch Drunk Love. I adore him in Uncut Gems. Uncut I, Gems, yeah. I don't think Spanglish is a good movie, but I think he's doing some good stuff in it. Yeah. Like, yes, Adam Sandler, dramatic work, good. Um, But the man loves comedy. And you know what? Hubie Halloween, pretty fun. That's what Jimmy said that was pretty good, too. Hubie Halloween. This Halloween pretty fun i i had fun with hubie halloween it was just it was a waif a little waif of a film but god it's pretty silly and it's pretty funny so i quite liked hubie halloween um but yeah so um but yeah so bubby um and and then you know like all hispanic families they they spend a lot of time dancing around their house singing la cucaracha because of course how else are you going to know they're hispanic otherwise um and how is that embarrassing It's meant In to be played way? off as like the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to anybody. No, that's not but, embarrassing. These motherfuckers obviously have not seen the rage carry too. You want to see some embarrassing shit. This bitch kills a whole party of teenagers over this shit. Spoilers. Right. We'll, we'll get to a spooky season exclusively on the Patreon. Exclusively. Uh, Patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. Yeah. Um, but we, so there are four actresses. Natalia Ramos plays the girl who is into singing. She is the only one of the four brats who is not credited on the song Bratitude. Or the song that plays over the end credits, Open Eyes. Logan Browning, who plays Sasha, Janelle Parrish, who plays Jade, and Skylar Shea, who plays Chloe. Those are the three actresses who, yes, sure. (laughs) Those are the three actresses who are credited on both of those songs. The girl, Natalia Ramos, who is the one who's supposed to be into singing. She's the one who is not credited on those songs. So I don't, what the fuck are we doing? Why could we, uh, why, why, why did we, why did we, why did we, I guess is not my for question. nothing, but uh Skylar Shea, also a veteran of the two baby geniuses sequels that John Voight was in. 
I'm okay. telling you, there's there's a like a group, man. There's a I mean, whole look, ass group. We I've I've said before I always appreciate when a uh, a Do director we in this case though a director gathers around him like a like a group of of people who like are his like group and his collaborators. Magnamara is no Christopher Nolan, man. Come He's on. not. He's not. No. It, that is true. He's no Wes Anderson, dude. Come no, on. He's not. He's look, he's not. It's very obvious he's not. I don't know um, what he is, man. I don't either. God, I don't fucking know. This movie is such a mess. I don't know. I don't I legitimately I don't I'm not even entirely sure what this movie can, is. Can I tell you the grossest part about this movie? Um because oh, you know, you I, I I famously did not join the recording a couple episodes ago because of how racist and and sexualizing children uh, mm. how all that happened in the album and chipmunks movie um i mean we didn't chipmunk mention that adventure. on the episode but you're coming out with it now so that's your prerogative oh yeah, yeah, yeah um it was a good episode though and you guys did discuss those things and i thought it was handled very well so good job it was a great episode thank you um, I, I agree but when the the heavy air quotes mexican girls little brother with the hair mm-hmm is like saying really gross things to like an eight-year-old girl yeah like how disgusting was that it it is that was fucking nasty this whole movie is kind of gross in various ways i will say that eight-year-old girl is probably part of it so what are you gonna do that eight-year-old girl, though, I gotta say, maybe the most relatable character in this whole fucking movie. Agreed. Yeah, she's the only one that I'm like, yeah, I'm on her team. Let's go. Because mm-hmm. she she is so she fucking it. done with everything. Yeah. Like at one point, she's she says, uh, "These are the jokes, people." And I went like, "That feels like the the motto of this movie. Like, look, this is what we got, and if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you because this is all we've got." Oh. Uh, and that so is absolutely the case. Uh, good for her because the gal who played that little girl, she has stopped acting and become a writer-director. Good for her. What is that actress's name? Emily Rose Everhard. Good. 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 Um, she is also in... I if we, if we... Oh, no. she's That's a different version. I was going to say she's in future episodes of this podcast jack and the beanstalk but no i don't see any reason for us to cover that ever nope, um nope. but no she's done uh, a couple of short films and uh written and directed a couple short films and good good for her yeah yeah get get out from under brats dude because you can't let that squish you uh you, you, you got some things going on you gotta you gotta get it done i mean she's I, she's I she's done some films that. it looks like she She's not done a film since 2010, but she's in the 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 most recent TV reboot of the Children of the Corn franchise. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. I was I was just rooting for her. No, no, 2009. That's not very recent. There was already another remake since then. Oh God! Of course there is. She also does additional voices in the made-for-TV Ace Ventura: Pet Detective Junior movie. Was that made for TV? I thought it was direct to video. It says TV movie here on IMDb, man. I believe you. Look, but man, see what I'm saying is like her writing and directing is recent. So what I have to right. assume, just from the information I have here, is that she was a child actress that went to film school and now mm-hmm. here she is. 
Good. And I'm here for it because Good anybody who can get out from under this fucking stink burger of a movie and do something worth a damn, yep. I'm way behind it because everybody else in this movie is just churning out shit. Yeah, it's look, it's not great. Um, and I don't know anything about the actresses in this film. I, I'm I, sure they're I, all I, lovely people. The only person I think I've heard of prior to this is, or uh, I guess the two people uh, would be John Voight and uh, Lainey Kazan from uh, from the My Big Fat Greek Wedding films. You're Chet familiar Hanks, with Chet Hanks, though. I I did not realize you know, that was Chet Hanks, I guess. Yeah, the kid that looks Until like uh, fucking uh, Shia LaBeouf. He almost looks like Shia LaBeouf in this movie, the, sort of. The, the nerdy kid who's like, he's a nerd, oh, but he like, no, tries. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He he's tries the, to be the stand-up the comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so the one who Chet pairs Hanks, off with with Jade, the the vaguely Asian one. I did disparage Chet Hanks earlier uh, when I I was talking about how he's in this movie. Um, but to to be clear, he was excellent in the episode of Atlanta that he was in third season of Atlanta. He was amazing in that, and there's actually a really good story behind that too that makes it even better. Okay, I, I don't know. I'm not going to tell that. that story though, because unless you watch the episode, you won't have context for the story. So, uh, yeah, I, all I know is that Chet Hanks is the son of Tom Hanks, and he's the guy who declared it White Boy Summer a couple couple summers ago. So, yeah. but he ends up with Janelle Parrish in this movie. Good for him. Uh, her who is uh, her mother is of Chinese descent, and her father is Caucasian. So. Like you do. Like you do. This, what a, what a fucking weird movie this is. Like, seriously, I don't, I, what, what even is this movie, Tucker? I hate it. You know what, you know, this made me think while I was watching it and thinking about how much it was wasting my time. Um, and as I get older, as I get older, the more I am very, I'm kind of, I, I kind of, I, I want to not waste my time so much because I'm an here's, older guy, you know. Here's and the so problem I, with that, though. We we want we we are on a podcast about movies that didn't get sequels. Most of these are probably going to suck on some level. I disagree because for some reason it seems like, um, like last month was a fucking shit show. Like all of those movies suck to varying degrees. You were outspokenly like, even the ones- very much against last 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 month. Before, during, and after, yes, Correct. and I will continue yes. to be. Um, you were, you were kind of a bitch that, about all of it, yeah. All that shit that I had to waste my time on, and then we get L.A. Confidential, and then we get fucking brats, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about bad movies, because, you know, even though it was a waste of time, I do enjoy sitting here talking to you about it. Right. I, I feel like they're, the time. they're interesting avenues to explore within the confines of even the worst movies. Like there's something interesting behind the scenes, stuff we can talk about. Like there's always something we can discuss with these movies. It's not a complete waste of time. I just feel like I, I've, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on really shitty movies because we've had an impressive run of them, Stephen. An impressive run That's... of just grade Z, bottom of the barrel, fucking dog shit movies. And I... I I dare say that is part of partially the name of the no, game. No, it is. Yeah, no, it is. I get it. I just wish they weren't all together all at once because it just it wears me out, man. Like basically, Tucker's brain is being slowly 
broken. However, I can tell you, Tucker, that we've actually got some very good stuff coming next month. And I'm very excited about it, especially the what I guess is still the season finale. I'm yes, very excited about is, that. It very is still the season finale. That, that, that is a Tucker's Choice episode, yes. Because that movie, any of you guys, you or Brett or our special guest, it's it's a crapshoot 50-50. You guys are either going to love it or fucking hate it. And I cannot mm-hmm. wait to see who loves it and see who hates it. And yeah. I'm very excited because I love that movie. And I can't I, wait to tell you why. I honestly have no idea what I'm even getting myself into right now. But I am getting myself into it. You will be saying a lot of the same things that you're saying about this film, but in a positive way. Hmm. Interesting. You'll see what I mean when you watch it, Steve. When you watch it four times in a row is what I meant to say. Did I tell you the first time I watched that movie, I watched it four times in a row? Anyway, brats. Brats. Anyway, brats. That is what we're talking about. Platitudes and bratitudes. And I've never seen, I've never heard the word platitudes spoken so many times in succession in such a short amount of time. And it's such a nothing word that kids that are watching this have no idea what a fucking platitude is. Platitude, gratitude, attitude, and bratitude, which is not a word, but it rhymes with those other three. And it's basically like, okay, what words rhyme with, first of all, the show is called Brats. Mm -hmm. And you know what the first syllable of attitude is, is at. So we can call it bratitude. But what rhymes with bratitude? Well, attitude, obviously. But what else? Brilliant. Gratitude. Yep. And oh god, there's got to be a third. Oh, I know platitude. So yeah. let's put what's all that, of these. Wait, wait, what's that mean? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Put it, it in. Doesn't matter. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. I, I just I've I've heard people say it's bad. So we'll say no platitude. Yeah. Yeah, no, and no. and and you just put those four words in a chorus and repeat them ad nauseum, and then you put like like they start singing the song and I'm embarrassed for them in that moment. Like this is supposed to be like the big triumphant scene at the end where they blow everyone out. This is the joyful, joyful. We adore these scene from the end of sister act two. And that's such a good movie. It is. You know who directed that movie? Oh no, but little Lord Hill's just so adorable in that movie. No, who directed it? Fucking bill Duke, the immortal bill, the the director of this film. And I was like, no, God, no. No, a good director, Bill Duke. Oh, got it, got it, okay. The guy who directed Deep Cover, the guy who who plays the guy who's constantly shaving in Predator. Like, an actual talented motherfucker directed that movie. Someone who has an artistic bone in their body, yes, got it. And here's the thing, he has actually directed some faithful movies, and I think maybe we should cover some of those on the Oops All Christianity corner behind the Patreon paywall. I'd be willing to look at him. I'd be willing to watch them if Bill Duke is the director, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I love Bill Duke. Deep Cover is a fucking masterpiece. Like, Deep Cover is a good movie. Lawrence Fishburne, Jeff Goldblum, fucking Bill Duke. Yes, absolutely. Fish. Yep. And, yep. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, great cast, great movie, great. Um, this movie, not. Um, but like that's what this this scene is that scene is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the end of Sister Act Two, and instead, as soon as they start singing, I'm instantly embarrassed for them, and I'm like, it it has the the I get the same reaction listening to that as I do listening to like or, or like watching sections of Meet Meet the Parents. 
like mm-hmm. that stuff that's supposed to be like cringy, awkward, cringy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the level of cringe that I feel in my soul when they it start starts, singing that talks, song about not funny. gratitude. Yes. Yes. Or the dinner party episode of the office, but also not funny, but not funny. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. Now, what was not the, supposed to be funny. Not supposed to be funny. Supposed to be like encouraging, uplifting, like positive. No, not at all. None of those things, in fact. It's supposed to be what they call in Disney's Dumbo the climax. Mm, it's not though. And what was the like lead up to that? Like if if a show stopped and like motherfuckers just like talking to the audience that's not supposed to be. Yeah, security's going to come get your ass, and everybody's not going to, like, chime in. And other people who have no idea what the fuck is going on that aren't involved just sit in the audience like, what, what is fucking happening? Yeah, what all the parents, right now? Like, the parents of the terrible kids that this girl led into the talent show because she knew she could beat them, like, those parents are sitting there going, what is happening right now? Like, my kids— I have kids, no context for this. Why yeah. are these people talking? What's this inspirational music? Where's it coming from? Oh, my God. Tucker, I I forgot to mention the kid that plays motherfucking Beans and even mm-hmm. Stevens is in this movie. Oh, where? I you know I've never seen even Stevens. I just know that it's where uh, what's his nuts got his start there. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was is, also in is it um, Stevens that Dumb and Dumber movie that everybody hates, but I think is fine. Um, but he is in cool. this is, is it even Stevens? Now I don't know. He was in some, some show and he, he played a character called beans. That's all I know. I don't fucking know anything. Else. Cool beans. It is even Stevens. He plays a character called beans and even Stevens. Who is uh, this MF you're talking about? His name, the actor's name is Stephen Anthony Lawrence. He was also in previous episode of this podcast, the cats in the, the cat in the hat, where he plays a character called dumb Schweitzer, but he's he plays, plunger man. He is Plunger Man. He he's the guy who st- he goes he's auditioning and he says I am Plunger Man and he sticks a plunger <gasps> to his head. I know this kid. Yes, you do. He has a very unique face, and I know him from probably Cat in the Hat because you made me watch that shit show. Sure did. Um, what a <laughs> what that's, that's the I say job. This all very Tucker. lovingly. I say that this is all very lovingly. The if job. I didn't like it, I would quit. I'm just saying. I would. It's true. I probably. I may have seen him on That's So Raven because your boy's low-key That's So Raven, super mega fan. He also played a character called Chunky Kid in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you know how much I love that show. Do you actually love that show? I don't. I guess I don't know the extent to which you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Moving on. Uh, Looks like maybe I know him from Dreamers. That was a Gus Van Sant movie, right? It has... You know who Gus Van Sant sticks with? Nobody except for Michael Pitt. Mm. You're watching Gus Van Sant, you're probably going to see some Michael Pitt in there at a certain point. That's fair. But I yeah. feel like I know this kid from something else. Like, something that's more... I'm looking at all the stuff on here, but there's nothing that like sticks out. It's like, oh, that's something I've seen a lot. I think oh, I read somewhere that he did kid. a porno. Did you watch the porno he did? I hope not. No. Uh, maybe it was Eagleheart. I don't. There's just so many like little things that I've seen with him in it. Maybe it's just all of those combined. Sure. I mean, he's got I, a very yeah. unique look. 
Indeed, but here's um, the thing. When you look at like the roster, like the poster that has the lineup for the talent show, Plunger Man is on it. So Plunger Man makes the talent be. show. Yeah. Good for him. But it reminds me of the scene in upcoming episode of this podcast, Mystery Men, where you're we're doing the audition scene by the pool. Yeah. And it's the I am ballerina man, or I am eraser head, and I or a pencil head, and I am son of pencil head, and I am waffle man. Like all of it is, all of it is very much like that kind of level. Although the contortionist violinist is like that's some talent right there. I don't care who you it would are. Would be if talent. they were actually playing. Yeah, sure, uh, that girl sure. has the talent to put her legs over her head, but she's certainly not playing that violin. I mean, look. Not as it's presented, at least. She may be no. playing the same note over and over and over. But good for her for being able to contort her body, yes. But let, as, let's not applaud someone for playing an instrument that they cannot play. I'm just saying, if anyone could actually do that, that's, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, that would be rad. I agree. I agree. And look, maybe she is playing it, and maybe they just had to ADR something else over the top of it. I don't know. Because don't know, you man. know the people, the sound editors and the editors don't give a fuck about this movie. So yeah, maybe there was no, a they scene clearly, where she they actually was playing. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. Nor should they. Mal, you know, the first time I noticed how the the sound design was so fucking bad on this is when the the heaviest air quotes ever Mexican girl um when she first gets to school and she like walks by the choir room and she's like oh i'm so curious and stupid and like she looks in and they're all holding one note everyone is holding one note but the kids mouths are saying they're singing something there are words to that song steven but all we hear is just one note ah their mouths are like and I'm like, uh, right, for the I listener at home, Tucker is moving his lips in rapid succession. Vigorously. As though, as though he is singing the lyrics to Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Um, oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. Look, this look, this, is it a good movie? No. Is it a movie we watched for this podcast? Yes. Yeah, it is. This is a movie we watched. Um, I don't know what else to say, man. Like, look is this movie good no did we watch it yeah look we watched it so that you don't have to any curiosity you had about this movie nah dude nah you don't want you don't want any part of this shit you don't if you want mm -hmm. to it's on freebie take it from take it from your boys you don't want any part of this shit there are some people on letterboxd who really love this thing though they gotta be trolling man they gotta be trolling or they have to be kids because, you know, kids are idiots. Well, so. I was going to say, like, nostalgia is a very powerful thing. Um, you know it. I know it. Look, man. I do. But you have to be, I mean, people that are on Letterboxd, you expect, like, a, a certain kind of person, maybe, sort of, in a way, that Tucker, would be able to, to anyone watch Anyone can it now. be on Letterboxd. I know, but the people that I normally I usually do the top reviewers and stuff. Those people usually have a good handle on what's going on. Well, sure, but those um, aren't the people giving this movie five stars. Here's the deal: anybody who gives this movie any stars on Letterboxd, if it's for nostalgic purposes, I refuse to believe that they have watched it since they were a child. I refuse to believe it. Because no one with the intelligence of over eight years old, and I may be alienating 
our eight-year-old and younger audience here. Here's the thing, Tucker. I'm sure we have. Nostalgia but... is designed to make you revert back to when you were eight years old. That man, is the purpose of nostalgia, nostalgia, man. I'm trying to look forward. I'm trying to move ahead. Just like, like they You're say, the Whip It by one. Devo, one of my favorite bands, man. Go forward. Move ahead. Try, try to, to detect, detect it. it. It's, it's not, not too late, too late to yeah, whip dude. it. You can't whip, whip it in the it past. Can. You got to whip it to the future, man. Come on. Look, I agree with you, but here's the thing. Hollywood is almost exclusively these days run on nostalgia. And it's, hey, you remember that? And I think South, the South Park I guys. I agree with you. I a, think you're exaggerating, but I do agree with you. Yes. Did did, did a great job of, of spot, spotlighting this It's with the member berries. Like it's it's all about looking back. Like it's not, it's what IP has worked in the past. What do when's the last time we did it can we sequelize it can we reboot it can we do it again it's the only reason something like space jam 2 a new legacy one of the most cursed objects in film history exists is because what of a nostalgia. huge disappointment and you know even that's putting even the mild. original even the original does not hold up that well no the original is awful which we talked about on our looney tunes back in action episode See, see our previous episode on Looney Tunes back in action. I would like, probably Space be Jam able to sucks. make it. I would probably be able to make it through that film on nostalgia, but I would still recognize that it's fucking garbage. Yeah, I wouldn't go on Letterboxd and say it's the greatest fucking thing. Give it five fucking stars. Fuck you. But here's the thing, Tucker. You and I are capable of having a degree Abstract of thought. Yeah, a, a degree of self awareness where we're actually willing to consider that maybe the stuff we liked as kids was bad. Like I've gone back and reckoned with some stuff that I watched as a kid. And I'm like, it doesn't hold up. Like I love this as a Ninja kid. Turtles bad. Yeah. Bad. Like I loved it as a kid, but it's not a good movie. I love, I loved it. Real as a Ghostbusters kid. holds up. When I never watched that as a kid. So I don't, I, but again, I don't have the nostalgia for that, that you and Brett do obviously do. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is why for by and large Ghostbusters afterlife didn't work for me as well as it did for you guys. Um, well, to be clear, the the over over abundance of fan service was the only thing that I did not like about Ghostbusters Afterlife, and unfortunately, it was a big part of that. Movie. I was going to say it's it's most of the movie. Fucking most of that movie is it. fan service. The fucking but proton the, pack gets a hero shot. I don't the stuff <clears throat> the stuff that bleeds through. There's a good script in there though, and unlike Mary Poppins Returns, where it's all just fan service with a shitty script. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that one someday, maybe, maybe on an unenfranchised or something. I can That's... finally let my thoughts be known about the sequel to my favorite film of all time. Mm. But Spoilers, yeah. it's complicated. <laughs> but no, I, I. but I think by and large, Hollywood wants you to remember the things that you love fondly. So they're putting out things that are designed specifically to remind you of those things. But but the problem is most of them aren't that good. Because they're legitimately just exercises in capitalism. They're not act, they don't care For to our make generation, a good, yeah. Right. They don't care to make the story good at all. Like that's that's beside the point. We're just trying to remind you of an IP that you enjoy. Like, hey, member Ghostbusters, member Proton Packs, member Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, member Gozer. Good, because we're gonna give you all of that over again. With very little, very little leeway, with very little different. Or like, oh hey, do you do you remember Star Wars? Do you remember Chewbacca? You remember the Millennium Falcon? You remember how all those things made you feel? Good, because here they are again. 
and we're just going to remake the first movie and call it The Force Awakens and give it to you. Which and again, here's Donald Glover as Lando. You can't hate that. Better right. go see it. But 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 that's just it. Like it's all it's all retread. Like we're not trying yeah. to do new things anymore, which is why the films that are trying to do new things are they're they're fewer and farther between and they're not getting like it's a things like everything everywhere all at once are the are are not the norm they're like the aberration when something like that breaks through or like barbarian when something like barbarian breaks through you're like this is actually like a fun engaging interesting horror movie and yeah it's doing things that horror movies have done before but it's doing them in interesting ways and the fact that no one knew what this movie was before we all went and saw it and we're all like oh this is exciting like this is interesting this is good engaging like all of that kind of helped propel that movie forward but like we we keep getting like just retreads and reissues and like endless lines of sequels and franchises like nothing dies in hollywood anymore we can't just move on from something as long as there's a buck to be made damn it we're gonna make as many bucks as we can off of any property or anything right now and it which i fucking sucks i hate it i am not against franchises neither am i as a concept i think just like all things in moderation it's great you Mm -hmm. know even even something like halloween where like half those movies fucking suck like i don't care who you are they fucking suck like just admit it to yourselves they're terrible um but i think it's kind of a shame that because you said that like it 90 percent or whatever you said of of hollywood is just sequels and remakes and retreads and stuff which uh, i i agree that there is an overabundance of that these days but i also think that if you know where to look and if you keep your ear to the ground and you follow your favorite filmmakers careers and you follow your favorite favorite actors and writers and stuff you will find those original films that are still being, there's still a lot of them being made. It's just, unfortunately, a lot of them are just the the equivalent of a movie of the week on Netflix or something. And they're, as soon as they're here, they're fucking gone. You have to really look for them. That's the problem. It's not that they're not here. It's just that you have to put a lot of effort into finding good original cinema these days. It's here. It's everywhere. It's every fucking where like you're, I'm, I'm walking out my front door, stepping in the shit. You just have to know where to, you know, you have to really put effort into looking for it. I think that's part of why people are so excited about Barbenheimer this weekend. Like you've got two movies by two auteur filmmakers. Well, that's the thing about Barbie is that I don't mean to cut you off, but that's the thing about Barbie is, yeah, it's it's based on nostalgia and a toy and stuff. But holy fuck, look at the creative team we have behind that. And, and I'm here for it. I will wait for streaming, but I you best believe I'm gonna watch that motherfucker. If you've seen the main the main trailer, what they're doing with it like makes it, it does seem, seem like, really interesting. It, like it's an exercise in existentialism, which I am a hundred percent here for. Like Greta Gerwig is a very talented filmmaker. God damn, yeah, she's amazing. And so, like I I I love. I think she is the right choice for this. And then you've got. A biopic, which I, you know how I feel about biopics, but it's a Chris, it's a biopic directed by Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. It's hard so, to go wrong with Christopher Nolan. I feel like it's going to at least be interesting to watch. Like there's going to be, he's going to be doing something interesting. And I 
you best believe I want to see that on the biggest possible fucking screen I can. I'm gonna go see that next weekend. I think on on the IMAX, man. Like I'm off all, the, all this. I don't next know if week, we so. have an IMAX in New Hampshire, but <laughs> I guarantee there, there's got to be one in Chicago somewhere. We don't have one. a lot of. Oh, there's several in Chicago. Yeah, and if not, there's like five in Indy. So just take a little road trip and visit your fam. Well, and I know that the music box in downtown Chicago is actually going to be showing um, Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter this week. So I, I might be going, I might just need to go see that this weekend. You're saying they're going to show it on film, Steven. They're going to show it on Mm -hmm. film. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how Christopher Nolan makes all his movies on film. I have, I have a bookmarked list of theaters in the United States that still show movies on film. It's not a very long list, unfortunately, Mm-mm. but I have a list and it's constant. It's a constantly updated web page. So as things come and go, like it's added or deleted. So um, I definitely see if there's something within two hours. They're currently, they're currently showing. I'd love, oh, fuck, I'd love to see that on film. Jeez. They're currently showing a documentary made by uh, Bill himself, Alex Winter called the YouTube effect. And Yo, uh, Alex par- Winter is a prolific documentarian. I don't know. He's he done was, several and they're all amazing. He was I've in town this past week, actually doing a Q and a at the music box about it, which I didn't know nice. about until after it had happened. And I was like, damn it. I could have met Alex Winter. I um, have met him. He's really nice. Yeah, I bet he is He's really, really nice. And my partner is also a big Alex Winter fan. So I bet she would also have loved to have met Alex Winter. Had we known that he was going to be in town. Oh, look at you with a signed Alex Winter picture. Yeah. That's Freaked. That was uh, the movie he did after Bill and Ted. It's a really good movie and the effects are really great. And Keanu Reeves is uncredited as the dog boy. That's their best friends in real life. Right. Which I also love. And that's the reason why Keanu was like, I'm going to take my... uh, my John Wick capital and like get a re get a, a, a Bill and Ted sequel made and another matrix sequel made. Like I'm going to spread the goodwill to these people that I loved working with in the past. Mm-hmm. And apparently Tucker, there is one movie, one character that he wants to reprise that no one seems to want him to reprise. Is it the, the boyfriend from parenthood? No. Oh. It, it's a little movie that we've covered on this podcast called Constantine. Oh yeah, I keep reading about how that apparently that's still happening, but then it's not, but then it is again. And, I will believe yeah. it when I look. Like so many other, like since we have started this podcast, they have announced sequels to at least three of the movies that we've covered. Um, only one of them do I believe is actually happening right now, and I'm still it's- not going to believe it until it is released in theaters. It's Beetlejuice because we've had set picks, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's like, the only reason I believe it is because we have pictures from set. But again, I'm not actually going to believe it until we, I'm sitting in a theater watching it. Um, but no, but we've, we've, we've heard announcements of a Constantine sequel. We've heard announcements of a um, Beetlejuice sequel and of a sequel to the Rocketeer. And of course and, people um, also been talking about Gladiator. a little battle angel. Well, Gladiator, we didn't didn't cover because they announced we did not cover it, but we are constantly talking on the group chat about how Gladiator is getting a sequel. Like Ridley Scott is apparently filming it right now in another part of the world. Sure. I believe that. Sure. Well, 
And look, here's the thing. Even if it does end up getting made, like Beetlejuice, at least I know, is a Warner Brothers property. God knows they 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 will bury that and like never show anybody if they can get a tax break. Because David Zaslav sucks. Is a piece of human shit. Him and Bob Iger probably eat human shit together. They yeah. They're terrible people. Um, one of the film critics that I cover or uh, that I follow on social media, he had a story come out about David Zaslav on GQ and GQ, like he had it killed. Zaslav had it killed by GQ. Like GQ, he called them up and had it killed. And so I was hoping GQ canceled it for tax reasons. <laughs> that would have been better. Been but better. this, I did actually read the article. The article was preserved online. It is out there if you if you want to find it. It is out there, and it's actually very good, uh, and not that incendiary at all. Actually, um, it's it's literally just he's reporting on things that Zaslav had done and had already been said about him. And they're like, well, Zaslav was never reached for out to for comment. No, you don't have to because you're not really saying anything that hasn't already been said publicly already. There's no need to. Uh, but he found out this critic found out that Zaslav's um, uh, one of his his cash app was public. And so he uh, requested six hundred dollars uh, from David Zaslav with the the memo for getting my GQ story canceled. Um, and of course, Zaslav rejected it because Zaslav is a piece of human garbage. So. <laughs> Um, as, as all the students of your alma mater chanted at you, well, you tried to give a commencement address, pay your writers. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Pay your writers and your actors and the rest of the crew. And that started out as a good little original ditty, but I lost some steam there at the end. I apologize for that. But here's the thing. Nothing you sang is untrue. I, you know, just just pay people what they're worth, man. And I would I would wager that ninety percent of people in the United States right now are not getting paid what they're worth. Not or, even fucking close. Not even getting paid what they're worth. Not at all. No, I agree. Um, people and and meanwhile, the CEOs are de they're definitely not getting paid what they're worth. They're getting overpaid. Um, yeah, fat cats. The fat cats at the at the top are Scrooge McDuckin' it in their pile of fucking money. Remember, remember when trickle down economics were supposed to trickle down? Man, fuck Ronald Reagan, man. How many times Agreed. I gotta say fuck Ronald Reagan? Uh, how just, many times I gotta? How many times I, don't I gotta think say? <laughs> I don't think it's ever enough, really. How many times do I have to say? Well, Nancy, I'm sure in the next people in the next thirty, forty years won't mind that we've destroyed the entire world and 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 we've made everything shit. I'm sure that they'll actually be happy that we had fun. Well, How many times I got to do that? I don't I don't think there's ever enough <laughs> times. Frankly. My surprisingly good Ronald Reagan impression. Shockingly good. Like it has no business being as good as it is. I don't even know where it comes from. I just did it one day. It just came out of me. Uh, so speaking of brats, the toy line is like apparently the company that created them, MGA Entertainment, is really fucking litigious. Um, they've been sued and have sued just they they sued uh, Mattel um, at one point because there was a line of Barbie dolls that was supposed to, apparently very similar to the brats line. Um, so they they sued for that, uh, and then Mattel countersued the next year. Uh, because apparently the guy who created the Bratz dolls was working at Mattel when he conceived of them. Um, 
and then at one point a, an artist for like Steve Madden, a guy who designed a bunch of shoe ads for Steve Madden, Bernard Butch Belair, uh sued MGA and Mattel apparently both um because he said that his copyright designs of young women with quote large heads, oval eyes and small bodies and large feet which he had created for shoe designer uh, Steve Madden were pilfered when Carter Bryant during his 2008 court testimony uh, testified that he had been inspired by Steve Madden's shoe ads he saw in 17 magazine. Um, I love that the judge uh, basically uh, overruled that and said, quote, Belair cannot monopolize the abstract concept of an absurdly large headed, long limbed, attractive, fashionable woman, which I find hilarious. Um, but basically like so many lawsuits for this company, like there's an entire section of the Wikipedia page just about legal issues. Like it's, it's really fucking insane. Like just how wild. litigious all of these people are. Um, God, there are. And then of course there are so many movies that have been made about the brats. Only one live action and it shockingly mm. did not get a sequel. Out of the box, man. Fresh out the box it with is. it. Do you get that joke? Because it's I on do, the, it's it's the tagline. Do you get it? Yeah, I do. Get it? I I got it. I don't like <laughs> it, but I got it. Uh, there, but there are TV shows and TV shows, animated movies, computer animated movies, uh, web series, TV shows. Like I don't. There's so fuck. And then music, like like fucking kids' bop albums. They do like brats like Bratz music, Bratz video games. There's a video game for this Time movie presents called Bratz colon the number four. And then the word real, um, which was apparently a video game. If Brett were here, I'd, I'd pass to him and have him tell you about the Bratz video game that they made for this movie. But like, oh, man, you should, if I, you know what? We didn't know that Brett wasn't going to be here until pretty much right before recording. If I right. know, I could have, I definitely would have looked that up, but it's probably shit anyway. Let's just assume it's shit. I I'm willing to assume that uh, I will read you what Wikipedia has to say about the video game for this movie. A video game adaptation of the film entitled Bratz for real was released to the 10 Nintendo DS and Microsoft windows on November 5th, 2007. The game was published by THQ. The game's plot mirrored the, that of the film. There was a plot to this film and players are tasked with complete, completing goals and errands in order to progress the story along. There's a story to this movie. The DS version of the game also allowed users to design their own clothes patterns, care for oh, a cool. digital pet, and play various mini games. The PC edition also utilized mini games, but excluded the option for players to design clothing or raise a digital pet. In both games, users could play as one of the four main characters and view clips from the film. Pocket Gamer heavily, heavily criticized the game and stated that it felt as uh, felt that it was released too early and that there were some nice ideas at play, in particular where it attempts to break down the social barriers that beset children in secondary education. But as a game, it is far too vacuous to recommend. Kind of like the movie. IGN shared similar sentiments, stating that Bratz for real does some work to recast the shallow, self-absorbed Bratz girls in a more redeeming light, using them in their friendship to tell a tale of unity and breaking down social barriers. But whereas the premise of the game's uh, the, that premise in the game's compelling customization options proved to be solid positive points for this package, Bratz for Real is still a game brought down by a variety of other oddities. So, like the movie, the game real real bad. 
Uh, you know, something that we didn't touch on, and we don't really need to talk about it, I just wanted to mention, after this disclaimer, uh, so earlier in the episode, I mentioned uh, that brats were dolls with slutty makeup, and I mentioned it in the context of babies wearing slutty makeup. I want to make mm-hmm. it clear that that I don't see the term slut as an insult. I think being slutty is great. I think there are better words for it. But I think that's fine. If that's how you want to be, that's great. But I don't need slutty babies is what I was getting at. Just to be clear, slutty babies is bad. I agree. Very bad. That is is a very bad, not very, no, no, very bad. Don't do it. Yeah. But what I was saying before my disclaimer is um, Avi Arad, uh, every Spider-Man fan's greatest enemy, Avi Mm -hmm. Arad, is the producer on this film. And, you know, it really shows because he really knows how to just destroy something from the inside Mm -hmm. and alienate anyone that has any interest in it at all, you know? And again, I don't think this movie was made for fans of the Bratz toy line. I think it was made, it was, it was supposed to be something else. And then they just kind of shoehorned brats into it, which happens slapped it on there, which happens in Hollywood more than I think most people realize. Like, yeah. like um, Predator, I think, was originally supposed to be. What if Rocky fought the aliens from Alien? That was the initial premise of that script. And then they turned it into something else. Like, I'm pretty sure I think one of the Rambo movie, one of the later day Rambo movies was supposed to be another movie. And they're just like, you know, we can just slap Rambo on this Die Hard, I think is very much the same with the last couple of Die Hard movies. I think are very much that like, you know what we could do. We could just make this a John McClane movie. Well, Someone call Bruce Willis. The, is he busy? Funny enough. Um, the sequel Die Hard two mm-hmm. was that way because it was based on a book by the same author that wrote the book that the first Die Hard was based on, but it wasn't a John McClane thing. It was a completely different book. It had been optioned. A script had been written. It was ready to go, and then Die Hard hit big, and they were like, hey, 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 hey. This you they could very easily this could very easily be the sequel. We've already got it going. It's mm-hmm. the same guy. It's the same guy. Well, in the I mean, the first Die Hard was actually written. It was based on a sequel to a, a book that became a Frank Sinatra movie called The Detective. This is true. Uh, and so when they originally were going to make Die Hard, they, they had to Sinatra. call Frank Sinatra yeah. <laughs> because he had right of first refusal, which means that we could absolutely cover The Detective on this podcast. Let's do it. I've never seen it, but I've I've been aware of it since I've been a Die Hard fan. An early Tom Atkins performance. Very er, very baby Tom Atkins in that movie. Love me some Tom Atkins. Thrill me. You thrill me. Absolutely. <laughs> we we all fucking stand Tom Atkins. We love that man. Uh, listen to me talk about Tom Atkins over on the Pod and the Pendulum uh, when I did uh, the Fog episode with Mike Snoonian, friend of the show Mike Snoonian. So, yeah. So like, my Bloody Valentine remake, we talked about that one uh, mm-hmm. last year? Year before last? Yeah. Last uh, would have been 2022. Yeah. Uh, also, Night of the Creeps, we talked about that one. With Thankfully, our good buddy real, Brian Kuyper, yep. Real sad I wasn't a host yet because that was one of my movies I randomly found on the video store shelf of a mom-and-pop video store uh, that turned into a huge cult movie a couple years after I discovered it. I didn't know anything it's about it. Those. 
I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Brian was like, Hey, you, this was supposed to get a sequel. I would love to come on and cover it with you. And so we're like, yeah, come on, man, let's do it. And Brett and I watched it. And I don't think either of us had ever seen it before. And we're both like this movie fucking rules. Yeah. Like, yes, yes, please. More of this. Like, it's just a I've, goofy, silly, fun delight is what it is. And so Tom Atkins is a big episode. part of why that works. Fucking Fred Decker's the shit, too, dude. Can, can we do a Monster Squad episode? Was there supposed to be an episode, uh, a sequel yep. to that? Can we do We've Monster got it Squad? on. It's Here's the thing. It is on the list. Fred Decker, I think, only directed like three or four movies, but we can cover all of them either here or on but Unenfranchised. And Brian has agreed works- to come back for all of them nice he also works behind the scenes a lot with shane black as well him and shane black are like he's basically shane black's mentor he he co-wrote the most recent predator movie that shane black directed wrote and directed like he co-wrote that with shane black shane black who was also in the original predator along with sister act 2 director bill duke uh shane black who also directed iron man two three three Three, yes. Favreau directed two. Mm-hmm. And he also directed uh, his magnum opus, beloved by all, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And future episode of this podcast, The Nice Guys. Oh, I've heard that's really fucking good, too. I cannot wait to watch that because I've been wanting to watch it since it came out. I just haven't done it. Nice Guys and everybody is tells me so it's good. so good. Here's the thing. Shane Black has directed four <sighs> movies. This, I'm going to get into my, my thoughts on Shane Black. Because I watched all the Shane Black movies during the pandemic. This episode was never going to be about Bratz, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, we got a lot of Bratz in, though. We did get a lot of Bratz really did. in. Um, but More than I thought we would. It's it's tangent, and that's what we do. Um, here's the thing. Shane Black has directed four films. It's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's Iron Man 3. It's The Nice Guys. It's The Predator. So here is here's the pattern that I've noticed with Shane Black movies. He will come out with a movie that he has written and directed that is really fucking good. And people will be like, you know what, Shane Black, that movie was really fucking good. You should come and do your Shane Black thing on this entry in this franchise. And so he will come on and he will do his Shane Black thing. And the studio will then invariably step in and go, no, 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 not like that. What what the fuck are you doing? Not like that. And they will take the thing back from him. They will recut it, re-edit it, change it up, make it into something he didn't intend for it to be, and then release it. And everyone will hate it, and he'll get the blame for it. And then he'll go go away with his tail between his legs. And then he'll make another original film that he has written and directed that is really fucking good. And everyone loves it. And then everyone will go, oh, hey, you should come and do your Shane Black thing on this entry in this (laughs) franchise. And then he'll start and he'll do his thing. And he'll turn it in and they'll go, no, 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 not like that. Because that is 100% like it starts with kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And then they're like, hey, come Robert Downey Jr. is like, you should get him to do Iron Man 3. And so they do. He comes in. Feige brings him in. And Rebecca Hall was originally supposed to be the villain in that movie. And the Ike Perlmutter, who was the head of Marvel Studios at the time, was like, no, girls can't be villains. Girls don't sell action figures. Uh. (laughs) And makes Guy Pierce the villain instead. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, And so completely fucks it up, changes it all around. Um, And so then he's like, fine, I'll go away and I'll make the nice guys. This movie with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling could have 100 percent been its own franchise. There is no reason there aren't five different nice guys movies. Like we got a sequel to to Knives Out. We should have a sequel to the nice guys. We should. 
but he does the nice guys. People love it. People like it. Not enough to give it a sequel, but they really enjoy it. And and so they're, the studios are like, hey, Shane Black, why don't you come do your Shane Black thing on this Predator movie? And so he does. And they're like, well, no, God, that's awful. No, that's not what we wanted you to do. They take it. They re-edit it. And everyone hates it. And he gets the blame. So Shane Black, we're ready for you to make your next like single Shane Black film. We're ready for it. We're here for it. We are waiting for you. My my only word of advice, don't do the franchise movie after. No, you know, um I think Shane Black would be uh would do well with some crowdfunding, honestly. Not probably, because yeah. Because well, that's the thing. Hollywood is not really willing to make original films anymore. We've we've talked about that on this episode. But yeah. Hollywood doesn't want to make what you want. Hollywood wants to make the easiest and cheapest and most lucrative thing that's going to appeal to you. Exactly. They want the thing that you're going to spend money to see. That's what they want to make. Which is very different than making what you want. Very different. Correct. Yes, correct. Um, they make you know things what? that you will tolerate and Here's, pay for. There was a variety article that came out in March of last year. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Shane Black are supposed to reunite for an adaptation of Donald E. Westlake's Parker series at Amazon. I don't know what that is, but I'm into it. I I want that to happen, and I want to see it, and please make it happen, and please give it to me. Please look it directly into my veins. Can Fred Decker also be involved in some capacity, please? I'm sure he will. Like, ser- Just like, for old time's sake. Brian Kuyper basically agreed to be our Fred Decker guy. I'm into it. Um, and so that whenever we do end up covering another Fred Decker movie, cause it's, it is, it's literally, it's the monster squad, it's night of the creeps and it's RoboCop. We've already yep. covered night of the creeps, but those are like the three he directed. Um, he also, he directed a couple shorts, an episode of tales from the crypt. And yeah, but his three features are night of the creeps, monster squad and RoboCop three. And Brian's like, yeah, I'll, I'll be your Ted Decker guy. So I'm into that. It'll be nice to to be able to talk to someone who is uh, at least, if not more versed in in Fred Decker, because I, I am also a huge fan, even of RoboCop three. Like, I, it's it's not great. That one has the Frank Miller gets, script. Well, Fred Decker gets Shane Blacked in that way. I believe it. Where yeah. Fred Decker makes a few little quiet movies that a handful of people like, but the right people see him, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like these indie movie directors that, like, they do a good indie movie and then they're right off to the MCU. Yeah. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. It's kind of the same thing. Because like they're Fred still Decker... fucking cheap at that point. Yes, because Fred Decker did Monster Squad and Nine of the Creeps. And a handful of people liked it. The right people saw it and they hand him RoboCop three. And I don't know how familiar you are familiar you are with the production of that film, but even before Fred Decker was involved, the production of that was a shit show. I believe it. Like that is a franchise that I think has significant problems because every sequel has to ignore the fir- the ending of the first movie. Um, so that, that, that entire franchise is just fundamentally. If you make a sequel to RoboCop, you have to ignore the whole point of the original. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
hundred percent. I did. I did like the reboot though, by the way, or the remake. Uh, I thought it's, it was, it was, it's, it was fine. It's it on was, the list. Future episode of this podcast. Robocop slightly, 2014. slightly above average, extremely watchable. Sure. Quite enjoyed. Even we'll, with we'll cover the PG 13 of it all. I don't care. It was, it, it was, it's its own thing. And it's, it's pretty, pretty neat. And I can't wait till we get to cover it because I haven't you know seen what, it in Tucker? a while. And I wonder if I'll feel the same way about it. I'd buy that for a dollar. I too would purchase that for 100 cents. Cool. Um, Bratz, money. Bratz opened on August 3rd, 2007. What a year. Um, I honestly, 2007, that was the year of, um, the year of the cat. That was the year that um, I think that was the year that like some of my favorite movies, like um, There Will Be Blood and uh, No Country for Old Men. Is that is that that year or am I thinking of 2008? Oh, I'm not sure you could be right. There Will um, Be Blood is 2007. Yeah. One of my one okay. of my favorite years for film, like just some really great movies came out that year. Um, but yeah, came out August 3rd, 2007. This was not one of them. This was not one of them. Um, this movie opened at number 10 this week. Uh, it opened to $4.2 million on its way to a total domestic box office of $10 million. It earns another 16 worldwide for a total of $26 million globally. Barely, barely more than its production budget. Um, not what we call a success in any stretch of the imagination. The we call first... that a big fat whoopty shit. Mm-hmm. The first movie opening number one. It's a new release from Universal. It is the final entry in a film that in a franchise that would be rebooted with the movie that we were supposed to talk about last week. Tucker, <gasps> is it the Born Supremacy? It's the Born Ultimatum. Same thing. I mean, okay. Um, hey, I won this time. <laughs> in second place, a movie that both you and Brett are very resistant to cover because I think you know that our guest for that episode would read you guys both the riot act for being bitches. It is the Simpsons movie, uh, which opened at number one the previous week and is down at number two <clears throat> in its no, second No, actually, weekend. bring it on. Bring it on. Let's talk about the Simpsons movie. I saw that at the theater twice, actually. So, yeah, let's talk about it. I love. I I thought it was good. I liked that movie. I liked that movie a lot. I also thought it was the last great thing that the series has done. Spoken like or someone who hasn't thing, watched it, and since that movie came out, I, I, and I will amend that by saying that was the last thing I enjoyed before I got fucking sick of The Simpsons existing. There you go. Uh, to clarify, as always. Here at Disenfranchise, just because we do not agree with you doesn't mean we don't like you. And there, so you, there go. you go. Um, I I still like the some some of the stuff. I will not say that all of it is good, but I do like a lot of the current day Simpsons stuff. Because and you know, I like I, anything that has been on the air for that long. There are going to be hills and valleys, gutters and strikes. Not everything can be as good as it was supposed to have been when you were a kid. I agree, and I don't I don't doubt that there's good stuff and moments of brilliance and stuff. I just, I just think, you know, sometimes 
time to just kind of be done. But as long as people are still enjoying it and still getting yeah. like, and, and Disney's still content to continue, keep making money on it. I'm for it. it. I'm not against never it. Die. I'm, I'm not saying take it off the air. I'm just saying I'm you're not done. one of those bitches and which is fine. No, because no. not everything I'm has to be for everybody. It. I, if, if they could make it for a million years, I don't give a shit, but I'm not going to watch it. Like I, I, I enjoy the times I had with it when I did have times with it, but I just, I don't have any interest in it anymore, but I'm not against it. Please, please make all the Simpsons, make everything the Simpsons, please. Right on. (laughs) I was exaggerating there at the end, but anyway, what was the next movie? Uh, In third place, another future episode of this podcast. Uh, What if Jason Lee was in a movie uh, about a uh, basically adapting a cartoon from the 1960s. Is it Underdog? It's Underdog. I want to see that because I always loved Underdog when I was a kid, and I like Jason Lee, and I know it's going to be terrible. It will be terrible. It will absolutely be terrible. I see it. You know, you know. Uh, I was talking about um, Grindhouse and Hot mm-hmm. Fuzz in our "What Are We Watching" episode. Uh, go check out our Patreon or whatever. Yep, Patreon.com/slash/disenfranchpod. Um, both Grindhouse and Hot Fuzz, I believe, came out in 2007 as well. So, yeah, that so. was a pretty damn good year for film. It's a really good fucking year for film. Like, I would yeah. put it up there with like 99 and 84 as like one of the quintessential years for film. Oh yeah, I agree. Like, I definitely it agree. Is a real fucking good year. Um, in fourth place, uh, the abominable. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Speaking of Adam Sandler, yeah. Uh, in fifth place, uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Harry Potter and the something, something, something. Who cares? Harry. Yeah. The, that was the, <laughs> that year's annual Harry Potter film. Yes. Um, in sixth place, uh, a, a a movie based on a musical based on a movie. It's Adam Shankman's Hairspray. Oh, I never saw it. Is it good? No. Is the remake good? No, no. I heard it was good. It's fine. Um, I think casting John Travolta as the the, the female lead is a, a problem. I think um, that the movie has issues. I really liked the original musical. I need to revisit the original John Waters film. But that, I know I've never seen the musical at all, and I'm a huge fan and avid, consistent watcher of the original film. My favorite thing about the remake is that it does feature a cameo from John Waters in the oh, opening. Nice. The opening song is called Good Morning Baltimore, and it's about a girl from Baltimore singing about her town as she goes to school. And she talks about the unsavory characters that she passes um, the drunk on his barroom stool and the flasher who lives next door and John Waters cameos as quote, the flasher, the flasher who lives next door. Oh, I love it. I might have to watch it just for that. He lit- just, just look up good morning Baltimore on YouTube and you can see him. No, no I got to watch the whole damn movie now, but I he literally, it. he smiles that big cheesy John Waters grin opens his, <laughs> his, his, uh, like, um, uh, his, uh, overcoat, raincoat, trench coat. Oh, yeah opens his trench coat and like just closes it real quick and like skewed, like just, just sachets away. Like, you know, what a fucking consummate pro. I love that guy. I I don't want to linger on it, but I just have to say one more time. I love that man. I hear disenfranchised. We love that man. We do. Brett doesn't know it yet, but he also does. (laughs) Brett loves him. Like whether he knows it or not, Brett loves him. Yeah. Yeah. Brett loves John Waters too. 
Um, and uh, round and then the final film in the top five, or I guess no, because we're in the bottom five. So also rounding out the top ten, you've got at seven, no reservations. At eight, the original Transformers, no reservations. Um, yeah. I don't know. Let's look it up. Uh, oh, it's that Aaron Eckhart, Catherine Zeta-Jones were chefs movie. Like oh, it, it, the it's rom-com, the, but chefs. It was when Hollywood was trying to figure out what to do with Aaron Eckhart. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like also in that like, also like, in that run, like, Suspect Zero. Yes, absolutely. He's great in that, by the way. But Thank You for Smoking comes out. Hollywood's like, oh, this is our boy. What do we do with him? And everybody's like, uh, uh. I guess put him in that, whatever that is. I feel like Aaron Eckhart is a less funny John Hamm because they both have that kind of similar, like square jawed, like old fashioned, like Hollywood leading man from the sixties kind of thing. Kind of. Yeah. And I, both of them, I think exist in this similar situation where they have one or two roles that are absolutely fabulous. They're really strong in, and then Hollywood just doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Which is a shame. Absolutely, because I think Aaron Eckhart is phenomenal, and everything I've seen him in, he's been phenomenal. Agreed. He's good. I like him. Um, and then the original Transformers in 8, Hot Rod in ninth place. Hot Rod! And, that's a good and, movie. Everybody uh, watch that movie. That's what you've said. I've not seen it. And then uh, rounding out the top 10 is the film we talked about today, Bratz. Bratz. The Tomatometer score on this one is a 10%. The critics' consensus full of mixed messages and dubious role models. Bratz is too shallow, even for its intended audience. Could not yeah. agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said. <laughs> the meta score is a 21 with generally unfavorable reviews from 18 critics. And the letterbox score for this one is a 2.6. Tucker out of five stars. How are you? ranking 2007's Bratz. I'll tell you, it gets a quarter of a star, Stephen. One quarter of one star. It, it gets one for me uh, because I did like it better than some other movies we've covered on this podcast, like... Like Food Fight? Like Food Fight, like Jay and Silent Bob's Super Groovy Cartoon Movie. I may even... I don't know if I would put this above or below Electra. honestly. That's kind of where I'm where I'm at with this, like an Electra is bad, but I don't know see, where it goes in relation to Electra. It's like Electra is so much more boring than this. Now, like this is really, really bad, but there's so many things going on and they happen so quickly. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't care, it's hard to really, really get bored. I mean, you could just shut your brain off and look at the pretty colors at the most or at the least. Right. Well, the lecture, you've got a bad movie that just drags and nothing happens for long periods of time and nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And this movie is is nothing happens for a long period of time and nobody cares. You hear the difference? (laughs) (laughs) There's a difference. The issue is, I think what he's trying to say, the issue is pacing. Yeah, yeah. And this one is overpaced. Mm-hmm. And Electra is underpaced. Mm. If that makes sense to anyone, I hope it does because it makes sense to me. It does. It does. But yeah, this movie makes a grand total of twenty six million worldwide. Uh, again, barely covering its production budget. Uh, was was never going to be a hit. Was never going to be a hit. 
I direct to video probably would have been the place to put it, but you don't spend twenty million dollars, Steven. I was gonna say twenty million dollars on this movie. I was gonna say either that or like a Disney Channel original. Like this, this has some strong high school musical energy. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I just yeah. But I mean, like all the montages and everything. Like this is not a real movie. Like it's not who a. Who puts this in the theater? Who whose idea was it to put this for, out for a theatrical, re- a wide release? Steven? Who were the ad geniuses who came up with it? Like fifteen thousand or fifteen hundred screens nationwide. Like that's not a limited release. That's no, not a limited release. It's that not is a wide release. Correct. What is known in the industry as a wide release. Correct. Go. <laughs> <sighs> So we have uh I that's it. That's all we have to say about this. We did movie. it. We, we did look, it. Look, 90 minutes, Tucker. We've spent our hey. usual role. We were afraid this was gonna run short. We were. We even had a backup plan if it did, but I don't think we're gonna execute that because this is Mm-mm. an hour and a half long. Like no need. This is standard episode length. Yeah. Absolutely. We did good job. Good job. Um, but yeah, so, uh, what, so, so, um, we, we've mentioned our Patreon a couple times, the, what are we watching episodes? Uh, we currently have a seven day free trial, uh, set up. So if you go to join our Patreon, you will be grandfathered into that seven day free trial. You will get to see everything behind the, literally every, nothing is hidden to you behind the paywall. You'll see everything that we're covering. Um, everything that we've posted, it's all up there behind the paywall, for just five bucks. But again, it's a seven day free trial. And uh, I would like to welcome our newest patron, uh, Sean Renshaw, uh, just joined, Sean. just joined the Patreon. So welcome, Sean. We're glad to have you. And Is that an uh, A-W-N or an A-U-N? It's an A-W-N. Or an E-A. A- so the, the director of this film, Sean McNamara, is an E-A, Sean, like friend That's of the awesome. show, Sean Rose. Um, but this Sean is a S-H-A-W. I think that's probably the best kind. I think that's the best spelling for me. Like it's phonetic. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if you don't know what it is, you could sound it out pretty easily. The other ones are like Sean or Seed. S-H-A-U-N is the spelling employed by Edgar Wright in a little film called Sean of the Dead. This is true. So there you go. Everything, but but uh, welcome to Sean, we're happy to have you on the Patreon. You too can join Sean and our other recent patrons at patreon.com slash pod, where you can find hours and hours, weeks, you might say, of, of absolutely great bonus content that we've recorded over the course of the past couple of years since we've had that up and running. Uh, there's so much. There is. There's so much stuff, guys. I think you'll get a big kick out of it. Um, but you can also find us on social media, and we have expanded our social media presence of late. Uh, you can find us on the usual Twitter while it lasts, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, but now we're also on YouTube. And Tucker, we are now we are now on Threads. We're on Treads. We're on the Treads, the Instagram Treads. Uh, you can find us in all of those locations at Disenfranch Pod, so you can know uh, what what we thought of the movies that we've been watching, um, and uh, just. Every, whenever we've got new episode coming out, you'll you'll find it in those social media platforms. You can also engage with us that way, or you can engage with us by shooting us an email at disenfranchpod at gmail.com is another way to keep up with us. Let us know how we're doing, introduce yourself, um, any whatever you want. Just, you know, 
let us know if you have a question for us uh, and chances are very good. We'll end up answering it on this very podcast. So you get to hear your name and question read on the podcast, which is kind of cool. Um, I think, I don't know. I was like hearing podcasters that I listen to read things that I send them. Yeah. Yeah. No fan mail is great. What happened to the fan mail? Uh, when they'd be like, uh, uh-uh. okay, this, this comes from Jeannie in Houston. And she says, uh, my mom and I like to listen to this show every day while we're ironing our clothes. Uh, something specific about the show that I like, et cetera, et cetera. Sign Jeannie. You remember those like in the older shows, like from the eighties and nineties that would be live when they would read fan letters and it would just be like these kids mm-hmm. writing in they're saying like, this is me and this is where I'm from. And I listened to your show with this person and doing this thing. And they all almost kind of followed a formula. And I, that's kind of a lost art. Send well, us let, one of those letter pages and comics also have that kind of energy. Oh yes. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some people I know have been written, have written into and been published in those letter pages. So yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty active on the DC message boards back in the day. And oh, so Steven, I know. That's so exciting. I, I actually have some, some friends from those days who have been in several of the letter pages. So a few of whom I am still in relatively decent contact with. So, yeah. Uh, have them join our Patreon, Steven. Uh, I'll do my best. Just reach out to this. <laughs> hey, man, I, don't, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I uh, just want to see if you want to join my Patreon. If you got like a spare five <laughs> bucks a month, just like sitting around and you're not doing anything with. The Patreon is your new MLM. You're like an MLM mom, like texting people you haven't talked to in like 20 years. Hey, how's it going? I think everything's great. Oh, I so have good. Hey. I have very intentionally avoided doing that. Um, I mean, you know, pe- people who know I have, I'm, look, my, my family does not listen to this podcast and that's probably for the best, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to all the people that do. Um, I, I am, I am grateful to every single one of our listeners. Um, and if you would like for me to express that gratitude to you directly, I probably won't, but, uh, you can find me on, I'm Stephen Foxworthy. I'm your host. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, letterboxd, um, I'm on threads now. I'm on blue sky now. What the fuck is blue sky? It's, it's the thing that's going to save us all from Twitter is what it is. I guess you said last time. I know. And I meant it last time too. Okay. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's not owned by a tech billionaire. So maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Wait, didn't you say it was the guy who did Twitter though? Wouldn't he be a billionaire? Didn't must pay him like a bajillion dollars. I mean, only because he had to, um, but I mean, yeah, what an asshole. Um, no, I, I get it. I get it. I'm giving, I'm, I'm busting your balls. I know. I know. I know. Busting your balls. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's apparently the guy who originally uh, created Twitter is now creating, uh, the new, the new blue sky platform, which is in beta right now and it's invite only, but I got an invite from someone. Uh, so I'm now on blue sky. So if you're on blue sky as I am, you can find me on all of those at chewy walrus. Uh, the not quite present Brett Wright is on Instagram and letterboxd at sus underscore warlock Tucker. Where can we find you on the socials these days? You can find me on YouTube uh, at ice nine Oh nine I C E N I N E zero nine. 
I'm going to say this again this week. I'm going to announce once again my intention to continue some of my preservation stuff. Nice. And the reason I keep announcing it and not doing it is because uh, I haven't had time. So I figure if I keep announcing it, it'll stay fresh in my brain. So when I do have time, I'll remember to actually do some of that stuff. Right on. I'm also on the Insta scams, uh, uh, tuck, tuck mugs, tuck underscore mugs. Tuck underscore mugs. Where Featuring... I show off my, yeah, my mugs and my my pint glasses and my shot glasses and other jiggers and such things. Featuring a recent guest mug from yours truly. That's true. Steven showed off his gizmo mug. My gizmo tiki mug. And I am uh, just a very on-brand choice for me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. We were happy to have you, Steven. Over, I was uh, happy to team over it. The team over at Tuck Mugs. We were happy to have you on board this week, you know? Yes, we were. Seeing as how I am the team over at Tuck Mugs. <laughs> You're the team. You're I'm the, the team. team. It's me. Hi, it's me. I'm the team. Hi, um, But yeah, that uh, is, uh, that's where you, that's where you find us, I guess. And that is, that's all we got, man. That's, that's our episode on That's where you experience our gratitudes, man. That where we we expose our gratitudes to the world, and you know what? Media. For for those of you who find us there, we have nothing but gratitude. Uh, that's not a platitude, so please don't give me mm-hmm. attitude. God, I hate myself for doing that. Um, Come check out our gratitudes. Thank you all for listening to the uh, disenfranchised podcast. Next week's episode can't be as bad as this one. It can't. What is it? I don't remember what it is. We're recording it tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to watch that movie tonight, Steven. Plus, I'm, I got to get up early in the morning, dude. Oh, Why it's, you do this to me? It's almost midnight your time. All right. We're going to wrap I it can't up. I believe you've done this. Yes, it's all me. <laughs> this is my fault. Sure. Let's call it that. Um, I am I like your host. This is, this is the Disenfranchised Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Foxworthy, from my co-host, Tucker, and the absent Brett Wright. Until next time, um, this has been our gratitude. We thank you for attending our gratitude. 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 <laughs> <laughs>